Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. The United States Steel Corporation, half a million employees and stockholders, presents the Theater Guild on the Air. United States Steel presents the Theater Guild, one of America's foremost theatrical producers, bringing into your home every Sunday evening from the stage of the Vanderbilt Theater in New York City, the most famous plays of Broadway. Tonight we bring you Sidney Howard's comedy drama, Ned McCobb's Daughter, with Alfred Lunt, Shirley Booth, and Anthony Ross. And here is Lawrence Langner, co-director with Teresa Helburn of the Theatre Guild, to tell you something about the play and the players. Mr. Langner. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The play we are producing for you tonight is about New England and is set in the Prohibition era. Many of you listeners are probably too young or too law-abiding or even too innocent to know about the illicit trade in liquor, which went on then and was conducted by gentlemen known as bootleggers. In our play tonight, Alfred Lunt plays the part of Babe Callahan, a colorful New York bootlegger in business on a large scale. He created the same character in our original production at the John Golden Theater, New York. Shirley Booth plays the part of Carrie, the daughter of Ned McCobb, a woman with the Yankee shrewdness and the Yankee honesty which has made our country great. And in the conflict between Babe and Carrie, New Yorker against New Englander, we shall see who wins in the end. And now, on with the play. The curtain rises on the Theatre Guild production of Ned McCobb's Daughter, presented by United States Steel, with Alfred Lunt as Babe, Shirley Booth as Carrie, and Anthony Ross as George. <laughs> play is laid away back yonder in the tempestuous 20s, 1926 to be exact. It was the year when everybody was doing the Charleston, the year Admiral Byrd flew across the North Pole and Gertrude Ederly swam across the channel. That year, too, America learned a new word, racketeer, from a new public character named Al Capone. All over the country, other young men who were ambitious and lawless we're also discovering that Prohibition offered them unexcelled opportunities in a highly lucrative profession known as bootlegging. One such young man is Babe Callahan, the hero, or villain, I should say, of our story tonight. We first pick up Babe on a foggy June night somewhere off the coast of Maine, coming towards shore in a cabin cruiser which is loaded to the gunnels with wet goods, which he and his henchmen have received a short time before from a French ship lying at anchor out beyond the 12-mile limit. I'm a little 
Hey, babe, you don't have no slicker on. Better get around back, you're getting wet. Around back? What kind of sailor talk is that? Okay, aft. So what, Commodore? Hey, boss, Ralph, why you quit? Be right there, Eustace. Watch up, Ralph. We've got a government patrol boat on our tail. Well, what are we doing? High ball out of here. Uh-oh, there's a searchlight. Look at that nasty team filling around for us. Push her up another notch, Ralph. She's wide open now. Listen, Eustace, when we get in closer, you and me will drop off in a dinghy. She's gaining on us. Stop! The lights picked us up. They spotted us. Get down, babe. They can see you. Turn around, sharp, Ralph. Keep digging. Oh, boy, it was just like the movies. Wow, that was too close for comfort. Ah, Mr. Samaya. I'd like to give a medal to the guy that invented fog. You know what I'm thinking? Them swells down in New York got a lot of crust beefing about the price of bootleg boots. I only got one worry. Did Ralph get that liquor in safe? Here we are. Now, get out. Uh, Columbus wasn't no happier than me to get on dry land. Hey, what's the plan now, boss? We're laying low till daylight. Why? Out here in this swamp? Oh, the mosquitoes will eat us alive. Well, which is it? Mosquitoes or dicks? You forget we're hotter than a little red wagon. Uh, you ain't got that bad a memory. No, relax, relax. Now, have a button sit on that log. Yeah. I need a smoke. No, Eustace, I've been thinking. I got a brother living in a town up north of here. You don't say. Yeah, they tell me he married a native. Maybe I'll take the studs and drive up there till things cool off around here. Uh, While you're at it, case the joint for a new layout for us to hide this stuff. Just being a clay pigeon every night's getting monotonous. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Hey, ain't those murdering bloodsuckers biting you? I ain't noticed. Yeah, so used to it. You know, it'll be like old times seeing my brother George again. You know, him and me ain't had a real visit since them good old days in the reform school. Tips on the ponies, so my, 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 how the money rolls in. My, uh. Hey, brother, where's this boy you fair him? Hey, keep right on going. Get over that rise ahead and you can just about see it. Prettiest place in the state of Maine. You know a guy named George Callahan? Yeah, Captain Ned McCobb's son-in-law? Sure. Keep right on past the post office, son, till you come to a clabbered house painted green with the stucco addition. Can't miss it. Right near the ferry. Uh, there's a sign on the outside says Carrie Spa. Come again? Carrie Spa. It's um, what Carrie calls her soft drink parlor. Yeah, how does Carrie get into conversation? Uh, she's wife to him. To who? George Callahan. Ain't that who you're asking about? Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, thanks for the buggy ride. Uh, happy to be of service.
Boss here, Toots. Mrs. Callahan's cooking dinner in the kitchen. Want me to call her? No, no, hurry. Think you could rustle me up a cup of coffee? Sure, just um, set yourself there at the counter. Yeah, pleasure, honey bunch. No wonder you're happy riding around the country in a Dutch bear cap. Yeah, my favorite bus. And it don't stop for nothing but railroad crossings and beautiful blondes. That'll be a nickel. Yeah, keep the change. <laughs> Honey Bunch. Listen, my name's Jenny Bootlier. Well, well, a Frenchie, huh? Lucky for you, I don't have no prejudice against foreigners. Well, I ain't any more a foreigner than you are. Me? I'm fresh from Upper Park Avenue. Fresh is right. Yeah, I asked for that one. Say, you know, you ain't bad looking. Well, you can tell you're from the city, all right. Yeah, how's that? Your line and your such a nifty dresser. Yeah. <laughs> Clothes make demands, I say. Uh, you counting and staying around here? Well, it all depends. I'm up here for my health, <gasps> you might say. <laughs> well, we got plenty of that. Yeah, what's that big red building out there along the water? Nothing but an old barn. Well, looks okay to me and right on the water. Uh, Carrie had a dance there last Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Like to go dancing, Jenny? Are you inviting me or just asking questions? <laughs> no, I'm inviting any night you name. You know, you got to do something up here to know you're alive. Carrie, here's a fellow inquiring after you. Yeah, pat her right in, Carrie, and be a duck with the rest of us. Land's sake, are you speaking to me that way? Your name's Callahan, ain't it? Well... Ever heard your husband mention having a brother, babe? You ain't babe. In the flesh. Well, land's sake, what you know about that? Well, I'm more than happy to meet up with you. George be pleased to see you, though. Oh, he'll be tickled to death. There's the ferry starting back across now. Jenny, step out to the land and tell George's brother's here so he'll hurry into dinner. Sure, Carrie. I uh, thought you was familiar, Mr. Callahan. Uh, you see, my father's captain of the Governor Smith. You don't say. That's the ferrybot. You'll like Pa. They don't come any better. Only he ain't been so well lately. Afraid it's hard. Uh, what's George do on the boat? He's first mate. Anyhow, that's what Pa calls him. He collects fares from the automobiles. Yeah, sounds like a job George would be suited to. Oh, we make out real good living all together like we do. Pa and me, George and my brother. Oh, you got a brother, too, huh? Ben. He's in the state police. Oh, that so must be a big comfort having a trooper living right here in the same house. Don't know, but tis. How long since you've seen George? Well, it must be about ten years. I uh, went down south for a spell, you know, about ten years big. Oh, I don't guess you're no more of a letter writer than George is. Oh, I heard about George now and then. I heard he was living up here for his health. It was his lungs from having flu when he was in the Navy. Now he sounds a dollar. George was in the Navy? Well, I don't know as you'd exactly call it in the Navy, but he was in the Navy Yard. <laughs> at Charlestown. That was where he took so sick. You know, it's funny about sick people, how appealing they are. Well, that's how I met up with George. We got married. Kind of sad, ain't it? Yeah. I say it sure was a break for George. Oh, well, that's right nice of you to say, babe. Babe ain't your real name, is it? Well, you know, the moniker they wished on me was Raymond. Well, reckon we'll leave it, babe. 
I hope you'll fix so you can make us a real visit. Well, I gotta admit, everything here suits me fine. I suppose you know you're an uncle. No kidding. Al? <laughs> Girls five, boys seven. You couldn't ask for sweeter children. Only you wouldn't think so now, maybe. The measles made them so cranky. If you ain't afraid of catching them, we could go upstairs. No, no, thanks, Terry. No, I can't take no chances right now on getting sick. You know, I got a big deal pending. Uh, Nat, uh, shake hands with George's brother, Mr. Callahan. Babe, our local contractor, Mr. Glidden. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Callahan. What line are you in? Well, um, real estate, you might say. Hmm. Yeah, there's plenty of opportunities up here for a young fella with his eyes open. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, can you start work on my new kitchen first thing Monday morning, Nat? Reckon I could. <clears throat> Seems like you're taking on a heap extra trouble, Carrie. I've got to take care of my children. To me, raising kids is about the only thing on earth worth any trouble. Not having them mind, but raising them right once you had them. Only all this don't interest you, babe. Say, listen, there ain't a thing about this joint that don't interest me. Well, you don't say. Well, Nat, I'll look for you. By the way, Carrie... Where are you getting that uh, 1200 What I ain't got in counter, and I'm going to ask Pa to raise for me by mortgaging this house. Don't see as I can question that arrangement. Well, good day, Mr. Callahan. Yeah, I'll be seeing you around. Say, what you doing building a new kitchen here? I'm expanding the business. Ever since the bridge was voted through, folks have been dropping in to tell me, ain't it a pity Pa and George has got to lose their good jobs on the old ferry? And what'll I have to raise the children on? Well... I aim to board and room some of them bridge builders. I got plenty of room upstairs, and when you're cooking for a raft of hungry men, you need plenty of elbow room. Well, the ferry's docking. Jenny will have George here in a minute. Well, all I gotta say is you're a great guy, Terry. Even the worst of us has some good points. <laughs> with every monkey you see. What are you hanging around here for, anyway? Oh, Carrie sent me out to tell you, George. Your brother Babe's blue in town. Oh. See, that's all we need around here. He's some class, I'll say. I suppose you flirted with him, too. Say, I'm sorry to you acting like you own me. I don't belong to nobody, see? Oh, Jenny, don't be that way. You know how crazy I am about you. But there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Why do you have to treat me so mean? Look out, here comes the old gentleman. Oh, Captain Ed, Carrie's got your dinner ready. And I'm ready for it, Jenny. Well, let's go eat. Captain, can I speak to you a minute private? Certain, Henry, certain. Uh, Jenny and me will go ahead up the house, Captain. Uh, tell Carrie I'll be right along. Well, Henry? Captain, you ain't took over a flashy-dressed fella driving a big roadster last few trips, have you? Words come up from my chief down to the cove. Be on the watch. Now, look here, Henry Butterworth. I got all I can do keeping the Governor Smith on the course without helping you round up your bootleggers. Naturally, Captain. Only, if you were to notice a party answering that description on any afternoon crossings, I'd appreciate you letting me know. Well, I reckon I can manage that much for you. 
But you know my sentiments on this prohibition business. <laughs> Don't hold with it and never did. Encourages law-breaking. Yeah, between us and the gatepost, I got to agree with you, Captain. But as long as Uncle Sam's paying me to nab hoochounds, I got to make a stab and nabbing them. <laughs> Another slab of blueberry pie, babe? Say, no, I'm up to my neck now. Oh. How about you, Pa? Uh, no more, daughter. You can give me a hunk, Harry. Well, I gotta say, that was elegant eating. And it's certainly a pleasure to be here with you all. Oh, we're real glad you're paying us a visit, ain't we, George? Yeah, yeah, sure. Why, you act like such things happen every day. Long Lost Brothers is real romantic. How long are you staying, babe? You know, this place is dead as a doornail. Well, George, I like the simple life. You know, fishing, swimming, and maybe a uh, dance once in a while. Jenny, go dancing with you? No, that's funny. I already asked it. Mm, boy, you work fast. Yeah, I used to like dancing. Dances you young folks never heard of. Hull's victory and such things. It's a long time ago now. Who's that coming in here with Ben? It appears to be Lawyer Grover. Who's the cop with him? That's Ben, my brother I told you about. Pa, what you suppose he's doing home at noon? Afternoon, Carrie. Afternoon, Ned. Hey, it's good to see you, John. Cup of coffee, Mr. Grover? No. No, thanks, Carrie. Where are you going, George? No place. I just thought I'd go have a look at the kids before I went back to work. No, you're not. Mr. Grover's got something to say to you. What about, Ben? Perhaps we'd best go in the parlor. It's a um, family matter. A family matter? Well, don't mind me. I'm one of the family, you might say. Oh, excuse me, babe. Mr. Grover, Ben, this here's George's brother. Glad to know you. Yeah, howdy, Mr. Uh, something wrong, John? Afraid so, Ned. Well, John, if something's wrong, better tell us right off what it is. Suppose you tell us, George. Tell you what? How much money you've robbed the ferry of. How's that, John? Oh, George, you ain't. Of course I ain't. Robbed the ferry. Won't do a bit of good to deny it, George. Company's had spotters on you. Ben's got a warrant for your arrest in his pocket. I tell you, I don't know what you're talking about. Spotters for the company reported in 12 days since Decoration Day, you've held out $194. Oh, George, how could you do that? Uh, that's right. Believe him. Ben Carey. They've got further evidence your husband's been at this since last summer. I tell you, it's a dirty lie. A thief. No telling how much he's stolen. What did you buy that auto yours on, George? Mr. Grover, I gave him 150 to pay for that auto out of what I saved here in the spa. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Then, uh, where'd you get the rest? George, talk up. Tell him how cheap you got that car and how you painted it yourself to make it look nice. It was a brand new car, Carrie. No. That's right, sis. I was down to Portland yesterday and checked with the dealer. Of course, Carrie, I, I don't believe you're in any way responsible. But with you planning expensive improvements on this place, well, I, I only want you to see how much you're all involved. Ned, when you asked the company to give your son-in-law a position of trust, did you know he came to it straight from a year in prison? Never heard that before. No, Pa didn't know it. I never told him. George in prison? Daughter, why didn't you tell me? The company trusted me I to... can understand what held Carrie back, Ned. She thought her husband had his lesson. I only wanted you to see how it looks to the directors. I've always been an honest man, John. I've always tried to be honest. I know that. And the directors know it. And now I'll tell you what they've decided to do. Out of consideration for you and your record, Ned, and for you, Carrie, 
The warrant for George's arrest won't be served if George can pay the sum of $2,000 by noon Monday. $2,000? Yeah. At which time the directors will accept his resignation, Ned, and agree not to prosecute. Thank you, John. Well, I... I guess that's all there is to say. It's a frame-up. I never took a dime. The truth ain't in you. You want to take your chances on proving your innocence in court? Sure, I No, do. he don't want nothing of the sort, Mr. Grover. It was real kind of you to take so much interest. We'll have the money for you tomorrow, somehow. I hope so, Carrie. Good day, all. Well, you ain't improved much, have you, George? Ah, shut up or I'll bust you up. You and what quartet? Now, don't you two get to wrangling. Ain't we got enough to do figuring things out? You made nothing but trouble in this house since you come here. A disgrace to honest, decent folk. Quit hounding me, can't you? Ah, you macabre is all alike. Always blaming somebody. What made you steal? Answer me. Well, supposing I did knock down on him once in a while. Yeah, show me a collector who don't do a little grabbing. After all we've done for you, too. Ah, uh, maybe you'd like me to go off and not come back. Running away won't solve anything. You're Carrie's husband. And your children are my grandchildren. And for their sake... You can you... mortgage the house, Pa. I was aiming to ask you to do that for my new kitchen anyway. But George comes first, don't he? You wouldn't mind doing it, Pa, for such a good reason. Maybe. The company will give us more time. Maybe. Sure, sure. What I took ain't a drop in the bucket to them. I won't have you making light of theft. Do you hear me? Ah, get off your high horse. You got the benefit of some of the money. Don't you say that. Yeah, and them kids upstairs, sure. Sure, I bought a new car. Well, sure, who's been riding in it? I've been an honest, law-abiding man all my life. I won't stand for it. Trying to make me out one of his cars. Now, Pa, don't excite yourself. And if I go to jail, there'll be some others around here that'll go, too. (laughs) Yeah, I'll see to that. You dare to threaten us, you low-down thieving whelp. I'll thrash you within an inch of your life. I'll show you. Look out now, old son. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Stop him, Ben. Take your hands off me, Ben. Now, you just calm down, mister. Ain't you ashamed of yourself, George? Uh, I wouldn't have hit him. Well, that's only sense. He and his son's a cop. Pa, listen to me. It'll work out. We'll raise the money on the house. Don't you worry about it. Daughter, I don't know what to do. Don't know how to tell you. Tell me what, Pa? A year ago, I gave that blackguard money for your sake, Carrie. What's he talking about, George? How do I know? I had to do it. To save your home. What do you mean, Pa? To tell your daughter, this husband of yours is a treacherous, good for nothing. What's the matter, Pa? I didn't know how rotten he was. Pa. I didn't know he was a thief. My daughter married. Pa! Pa, what is it? Ben, help me. Pa! Pa, what's the matter? Get some water. Here, let's, let's get him up on the couch. Help us, George. Oh, speak to me, Pa, please. It's Carrie. Can't you answer me? Oh, Pa. It's a stroke, sis. Pa's got a stroke. A stroker? Yeah, I heard it then. In a moment, we'll continue with the second act of Ned McCobb's Daughter with Alfred Lunt as Babe, Shirley Booth as Carrie, and Anthony Ross as George. Produced by the Theater Guild on the air and presented by the United States Steel Corporation. And here, speaking for U.S. Steel, is the well-known reporter of the American Broadcasting Company, George Hicks. Good evening. You probably remember from your school days that most of the steel in the United States is made today by heating molten iron and other raw materials 
to terrific temperatures in furnaces called open hours. But you've probably forgotten what those raw materials are and how their vast-scale production and transportation provide work for thousands upon thousands all over America, not counting those actually employed in making steel, almost 300,000 of them by U.S. steel alone. So let's see what does go into those huge furnaces. There's iron, which has been smelted from iron ore, limestone, and coke, and then there's scrap steel. Depending on the type of steel desired, other ingredients are added, which aid in the refining process conducted at a temperature of 3,000 degrees. To feed those hungry furnaces, thousands of coal and iron ore miners are kept busy working throughout the year. In great limestone quarries, rock is ripped from the earth to satisfy the insatiable demands of the furnaces. Steel scrap is collected from countless sources, and a small army of railroad and steamship employees spend most of their time moving these raw materials to the plants where they're assembled and made into steel. Yes, these raw materials are vital to the steel industry, just as steel in its many forms is essential to the production of all kinds of finished goods, from bobby pins and razor blades to structural steel and locomotives, essential to thousands of different industries using steel and employing millions of our fellow citizens. So next time you use any product of steel, from a can opener to an automobile, remember you're benefiting from the skills and energies of literally millions of men who have helped to transform the raw materials from the earth into the steel out of which come many things to make our lives more comfortable. We pause now for station identification. You're listening to KECA Los Angeles. The curtain rises on the second act of Ned McCobb's Daughter with Alfred Lunt as Babe, Shirley Booth as Carrie, and Anthony Ross as George. Captain Ned McCobb never regained consciousness after the altercation with his worthless son-in-law. The disgrace of George's theft brought on a stroke which proved fatal. It is now the following afternoon, and Babe and George are sitting near the plain oak casket in the parlor of the McCobb home. Yeah, you know, it's a funny thing the way people die. It's like getting the bumps rush out of a joint when you least expect it. Yes, yeah, sir, it's a funny thing that is. Any way you look at it, George? Hey, don't go smoking in here. Take your feet off the coffin. I'd like to sit with Pa now for a spell, boys. Okay, Carrie. I'm going upstairs to see the kid. Now, don't be standing there looking at your Pa that way. You know, the best way to get through this is to put the old man out of your mind and think of something pleasant. I love Pa. I wasn't thinking. I was feeling. Seems folks don't reckon they think about much except money. Well, Two thousand berries by tomorrow noon, that's enough to make anybody think. It ain't only that. It's the future, too, I'm worrying about. With what he's got against him, George don't stand to earn much now. You know, most women would have blamed George for what he'd done and took on terrible over it. I do blame him, but I never seen no good yet come of taking on. Oh, you got a wonderful character, Carrie. You know, that's what counts in this world, character. Now, that's George's trouble. He ain't got none. 
Now, take me, you know. I'm like you, not so good-looking as some, but, oh, boy, just full of character. There's a party on the phone out here, babe, asking for you. They wouldn't give no name. Now, who could that be, if you'll excuse me, Carrie? Maybe it's someone wanting a little real estate. Um, hey, it's, um, Lawyer Grover. Good evening, Mr. Grover. Ned. Ned McCobb, my dear old friend. I know him 40 years and more. Looks peaceful, don't he? He is at peace, Carrie. Ain't many men as good as he was. Not like others I could mention. You're a patient woman, Carrie. I try to be, Mr. Grover, but I'm about the end of my rope. Trouble is, I, I know I can't raise money on Pa's estate till it's settled. Just got to have more time. What part of your father's estate were you planning to raise the money on, Carrie? Why, on this house, Solly left. But don't you know this house is mortgaged already? No, it can't be. He'd have told me. Your father came to me a year ago to arrange the loan. Oh, no. Why, I never know nothing about it. Well, as I, as I recollect, he said the money was for you. That must have been what Pa was trying to tell me yesterday before he died. And, Mr. Grover, if I can't raise money on this house, where am I going to redid it? It's the end of everything. If you take my advice, Carrie, you'll have your husband give himself up and plead guilty. He wouldn't be in prison as long as if he stood trial and was convicted. No, I can't let George go to prison. Children are getting old enough to ask questions. No, Mr. Grover. Them young ones has got to grow up respecting their father. I've got to find a way somehow. I just got to. <laughs> Yeah, Dale Eustace? I wish Babe would show up. Ah, uh, he's on his way, Kibby. He's got a 30-mile drive. Phone him again, Eustace. Ah, uh, bushwalk. I ain't waiting here all night. Too risky. Hey, here's the Babe now. Hi, Hi Juan. Hey, Babe. You got a party going on. You certainly took your sweet time getting here. I left as soon as I got Manny's call. What's the beef? Uh, babe, no kidding. We got to beat it out of here. They got the truck and 50 cases of scotch this afternoon. That's hard line. And come within a niece of getting me, too. They fire at you, Kibby? I'll say they fire at him. You'll never know how close I come to those pearly gates. And, boys, you'll be tickled to hear I'm fixing so as we're pulling out of this neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah, good good way. Way. yeah I got a swell new spot all picked out for us. Where's it at, Pete? Oh, up the coast. A little joint water called Fairhaven. Say, what is your lamp the layout I got? It's a natural big red barn right on the water. Them federal guys won't locate us there with bloodhounds. When do we start moving the hooch, boss? Well, tomorrow night, Manny, with luck. So, Ralph, have them launches full of gas and ready. I ain't exactly close to deal yet, but, boys, don't worry, don't worry, it's in the bag. Closed up shop for the night, Kim? My land, yes, it's late. Where have you been so long? Oh, I had some business down the road. You missed your supper. Can I get you something to eat? No, I ain't hungry. Say, sit down, Carrie. I got something to say to you. No, I, I can't just now, babe. Nat Glidden's here. He's in with Pa. Oh, here's Nat now. Good evening, Mr. Callahan. Hi. 
Well, Carrie, I still can't think of Captain Ned as a corp, even though I just seen him laying there in his coffin. Oh, Nat, uh, about my kitchen. Yes, Carrie. It don't look like I'll be able to have you go ahead with them alterations after all. The trouble is, the house was mortgaged by Pa, and I never knew it. Uh, that's too bad, Carrie. I was wondering if maybe you could see your way clear to going ahead on the work and let me pay you from time to time when I could. I just don't have the ready cash to go on. I hate like sin to turn you down, Carrie. Don't matter, Nat. I'll let you out. Boy, there's one thing about a Yankee. He got hearts as big as marbles. Now, that ain't so. Nat had helped me if he could. He's got his own problems. You know, Kay, maybe I could be talked into giving you this check. You should have. Would you loan George and me? Would you? Well, ain't I your brother-in-law? Why, it never come to me to ask you. Well, there's a couple of little conditions, though. How's that? Well... In the first place, you're too smart to swallow that hooey about me being in real estate. If you're running liquor, I don't mind. Pa and I never did hold with prohibition anyway. Very good. Well, now get this. I got close to 60,000 bucks worth of liquor stored in that old boatyard out of sight of Gardner's Cove. Them federal lice already got some of it. And if I don't move it out of there quick, they'll locate the rest of it. Now, that's where you come in. Me? Now, you got a fine big barn on the back of this property, and you'd be the last person them local federal boys would suspect. Far as I can see, the setup was made to order for me. So them's your conditions. Now, I'm offering to lease this plant, lock, stock, and barrel for the summer 2,000 berries. Now, that's my proposition. Take it or leave it. And if I was to get raided, what'd become of my children? Oh, well, you got to take your chances on that. See this roll? Four $500 bills. That makes it even two grand, don't it? I never seen such big bills. I use big bills in my racket. Now, what do you say? Is it a deal? Thank you, but I... Well, no, no, I couldn't. Well, you never get a crack at no easier, though. Maybe not, but you don't know what you're asking of me. Well, why shy away from a little bootlegging that may be illegal, but ain't no crime? The spot you're in? Well, now I think twice. But... I can't think. I'm too tired. Okay, then I'll think for you. You know, you ain't got much to choose from. You can skip with George and spend your life on the watch out for the Louise, moving here, moving there, no steady work, hiding like rats in the big town, or you can get another way out. Stay in here alone without George and starving on what you can make out of this grease joint. With a mortgage over your head till the bank takes the old house away from you and the kids don't have no home. Now, I'm giving it to you straight, Terry. The best way is to play along with me. No, 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 no. Turn off the tears. Besides, you don't have to make your mind up right off. I'll let you keep the dough if you want. And you can give me your answer in the morning. No, here, take it. No, I can't. I can't do it. Well, it's yours for the asking. Two thousand berries in the coin of the realm. I can't get mixed up in no such shady business, babe. I can't. Yeah, you mean you're going to let them poor kids go hungry and their daddy go to the pen rather than hurt your conscience. Say, use your head. You got one. Quit pushing me. I'm trying to do the right thing. I gotta hang on to something I believe in. Now, pipe down. Listen. I gotta have something left that's decent and respectable. Let me think, can't you? Just just give me. Shut up. Somebody's out there prowling near that window. Who's there? It's Henry Butterworth, Carrie. Oh, yeah, I thought I smelled gas. You better get it. 
He's a government man. Holy cow. He must have found out about you. Else he'd never come here this time of night. Well, what's it going to be? You turning me over or helping me out? You need that money mighty bad, Carrie. Give me that 2000 Ah, now you're talking my language. Open up in there. Someone's with him. I'm coming. Needn't bust my door down. Well, whatever you doing here, Henry, at this hour of night... I certainly do hate to disturb you, Carrie. And if you ain't brought that partner of yourn with you... Mm. I don't know your name, but don't be standing there like you didn't have good sense. Come on inside, both of you. You'll have my spa chuck full of June bugs. Well, Henry, what is it? Spit it out. The law's the law, Carrie. Guess I know that without your coming here to tell me. The Lecker Laws took a sudden interest in your house, Mrs. Callahan. My house? On account of that gent over there, Carrie. You think he's a rum runner? Yeah. Well, I declare. Carrie, the authorities seen a fella they're suspicious about sneaking out of Gardner's Cove in a big car. You deny uh, you're him, mister? Me? Well, you boys is sparking up the wrong tree. Come on, quit stalling. I'm beginning to suspect you don't know who this gentleman is. You call yourself government detectives, and you ain't heard he's George's brother come here to pay us a visit. Huh? He ain't. Yes, he is. Now, do you think my husband's only brother, Raymond, would be a liquor smuggler? Oh, well, I wouldn't want to think so, Carrie, but... You can but... take my word for him, can't you? Oh, I'd like to, Carrie, but the law... Did the law ever tell you to come intruding on a house of mourning, talking a lot of fiddle-faddle like that? Uh, uh no, it didn't, Carrie, but, but... An old friend like you, too, Henry. Uh... Do you think I ain't got troubles enough coming here at a time like this? Hey, I'm plumb ashamed of myself. Well, that's more like it. Took a mistake like this to make you almost human, Henry. I beg your pardon, Mr. Callahan. I certainly do. Don't mention it, Mr. Butterworth. We all make mistakes. Come on, let's get out of here. I should say so, for you're the laughing stock of the whole countryside. Okay. I'll thank you not to tell this on me, hmm? I promise, Henry. Thanks, Carrie. <laughs> nice. Funeral's at four tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you sure done yourself proud, Carrie. Thanks a million. There ain't nothing else I can do. But don't you be thinking I don't see through you. You're taking advantage of me just the same as your brother took advantage of my pa. You two are brothers just the same as pa and me's father and daughter. You're two of a kind, and Pa and me's two of a kind. You pair's got the pair of us licked. But I got one thing over Pa, though. Pa's dead of his licking, but I ain't dead of mine. Not by a long sight, I ain't. You just watch out, Babe Callahan. You just watch out. Oh, you certainly got character, carry, yes, sir. continue with the third act of Ned McCobb's Daughter with Alfred Lunt as Babe, Shirley Booth as Carrie, and Anthony Ross as George, produced by the Theatre Guild on the air and presented by the United States Steel Corporation. Here again for U.S. Steel is George Hicks. As I speak to you tonight, ice is forming on the Great Lakes. It's spreading along the shores of Lake Superior and extending across the shallow waters of Lake Erie. Within a few weeks, the harbors will be frozen. 
They'll remain that way for about four months. That means that the busy season of the year is over for the Pittsburgh Steamship Company, one of the members of the United States Steel family. All its ships are in winter quarters now, waiting until the spring sun releases the lakes from the grip of ice. Only then will they be able to go back to their vitally important job of carrying iron ore and limestone from Minnesota and Michigan for the steel mills in Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. For four months of each year, the 63 ships of the Pittsburgh Steamship Company are tied up. But from early April until late November, they navigate between the head of the Great Lakes and the lower lake ports. During the shipping season just closed, this largest of all inland fleets transported over 28 million gross tons of freight, considerably more than the total tonnage which goes through the Panama Canal in a full peacetime year. Pittsburgh Steamship has been operating on the Great Lakes since 1899, when it began with 11 steamers. From the beginning, its job has been to keep American steel mills supplied with raw materials. As the demand for steel has increased, so is the size of this fleet and the size of the ships themselves. Until today, the Pittsburgh ships can carry 20 times as much as the first fleet did. And in the future, Pittsburgh Steamship and its sister subsidiary, Bradley Transportation Company, will continue to keep pace with the demands of the nation's steel mills. Delivering the raw materials of steel promptly and in tremendous quantities is the business of these members of United States Steel, the industrial family that serves the nation. The curtain rises on the third act of Ned McCobb's Daughter with Alfred Lunt as Babe, Shirley Booth as Carrie, and Anthony Ross as George. cleaned and coffee ready for you when you come down. You can put the pies and donuts out on the counter. We're open today no matter what folks think. Except for only an hour during the funeral. My, ain't that flat and a fright. <laughs> the men have begun on this end of the bridge first. You can see the smoke and the dust flying. I, I got something on my mind I have to tell you, Jenny. Uh, <clears throat> tell me, Carrie? I hate to say it, but you'll have to be looking for another place now. Well, uh, why's that? Well, you see, I come into some pretty heavy expenses. Oh, well, if that's all that's bothering you, you don't need to worry about my uh, wages. Well, it's real nice of you to say that, Jenny. But there's other reasons I can't let you stay. And I don't think you'd like it so much here, the way things are going to be from now on. Please, Carrie, don't send me away. I'll just get in trouble if you don't keep me. You'll get in worse trouble here. I'll try and find a good place for you. But you just simply got to go, Jenny. Are you in there, Carrie? Here's George coming. You don't want him to see you crying, do you? You get out in the kitchen now and warm up some milk for the children's breakfast. Morning, George. <laughs> good old Carrie. Well, it's some time since you kissed me good morning. Yeah, well, I... I'm turning over a new leaf and fixing to treat you right. This time, though, you got to mean it, George. I don't want always to be nagging you. You ain't strong and you don't think twice like I do. But you ain't so bad but what you couldn't be worse. You ain't a drinking man. And you ain't never carried on with other women. Them's the things a woman can't forgive in a man. 
But you just got to promise to try to be worthy of your children. Sure, sure. You wait and I'll show you. From now on, I ain't going to believe nothing but showing. Ah, oh, there you go. The first thing taking the heart out of a man. As if it ain't discouraging enough around here. You making Babe practically the boss. Well, thanks to him, I got the money locked up in that drawer over there that'll keep you from going to jail. Carrie, want me to take the kids' breakfast up? I'll do it, Jenny. I want to see if they have any fever. Yeah, that blasting. They're at it hot and heavy. Just Saturday, I was figuring to board them fellas. Well, no use crying over what can't be helped. I've got to get up to them children. Can I get you any coffee, George? Uh, Carrie's took my appetite. Hey, come here. Come here, I want to see you. What are your eyes so red for? Carrie just told me i got to go. Oh, she did, huh? Ah, uh, with Babe taking over here, you ought to be glad. Babe? Yeah, from now on, it looks like he's ruling this roost. Uh, that's okay by me. Hmm. I was scared at first it was unaccountable. Oh, she don't know nothing about us. Take my word, it's better we both got out of here. Uh, I've had all I wanted, carrying her kind of lousy hypocrites. That's all Yankees is. Yes, sir, I'm going away. You're coming with me. I wish you'd quit hopping on that. I told you we're through. Oh, let's get some fun out of life while we're young, Jenny. You've got to come with me. Talk sense. You don't even have enough money to take yourself away. Oh, no. Well, I might surprise you. What are you going to do? Uh, I'll show you if I ain't in the dough. Will you believe it if you see it? You don't mean Carrie's money in that drawer. Oh, who says it's Carrie's? Think I'd let her hand all that over the lousy ferry company? Are you crazy? That's to keep you from going to jail. Yeah, well, they got to catch me first. Oh, boy, this will buy a lot of coffee. That's Carrie's money, and if you don't leave that lock alone, I'm... Get away from me, can't you? Come here, look here, Jim. Boy, look at them greenbacks. Carrie, Carrie! Tell them the little devil you want to ruin us both. Let me go! I ain't gonna be party to this! Carrie, help, help! Hey, Jenny, what's going on down He's here? Got your money, Carrie. He's skipping off with it. George, George, give me that Get away from me, Carrie. I'll, I'll make you wish I had. Hey! What's on the switch? Catch him, babe. Get him. He's got Carrie's money. Oh, no, you don't. Keep away from me. All right. All right. Now hand it over. You just can't break the habit, can you? Here's your money, Carrie. Seems to be all day. You can get up now, safe cracker. Well, I'll even with you. You wait and see. No, no, no. Behave, jailboy. Jailboy? Oh, look who he's calling a jailbird. And I suppose you ain't done time, too. Sure, I done time. Three years, and not in any of these small-time lockups of yours. Three years in Atlanta I done in the federal penitentiary, and that's class, if you ask me. I wish we was all there. Then I wouldn't have so much to vex me. Yeah, you've been so frank and open about me, Georgie. I got a half a mind to tell Carrie a few things about you. Babe, there ain't nothing more you can tell me about George. I don't already know. Oh, ain't they? Did he ever mention he was planning to run away a year ago and give the air to you and set up housekeeping with Jenny? I'll get you for that one. Jenny? And George? Yeah, and he would have, too, if he could have talked Jenny into going off with him. You've been carrying on behind my back. All this time, you've been carrying on. What Babe's saying, is it true? Answer me. Well, looks like the cat's got their tongue. I can't believe it. I can't. Get out of my house. Back up, both of you. Get out of my house. Get out of No, 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 no. Take it easy, Carrie. They heard you the first time. So long, George. And stay out of jail. Oh. 
Get off that sofa, Carrie. We brought you in the parlor to rest. You know, you kind of been through the ringer. Ain't I right, Ben? You ought to be quiet a while, Carrie. I feel like there ain't nobody ain't been lying and lying. Keeping things from me. Ben, will you take this money over to Lawyer Grover for me? It's got to be in the company's hands by noon. I don't feel up to nothing more today. Still won't tell me where this money come from, Carrie. She got it from yours truly, where do you suppose? You might as well know, Ben. I leased him the right to use this house in his business. He's running liquor, Ben. Why wasn't I told about this? We wake while you sleep. And I don't like it no better than you do, Ben. But it's my one chance to get back on my feet. Naturally, I wouldn't make any trouble for you, sis. Only you'll understand if uh, I don't go on living here. I understand, Ben. Now, please take this money and hurry. You can just make it. Yeah, get going. Lucky for you, it ain't up to us troopers to handle bootleggers. Yeah, Lucky is right. But boy, I won't mind seeing him pack his studs. You know, uniforms make me nervous. Well, my job now is to get in touch with the boys. The boys? Yeah, the mob, the mob, the boys that work for me. I gotta put them up here. Is that part of our bargain? Don't worry, I'll pay the expenses for feeding them. So I'm running a bootlegger's boarding house, am yeah, I? Yeah, you might call it that. Beginning tonight at supper. How many is there going to be? Well, say now, listen, I ain't one of your chitney operators. Why, you'll see nights this summer where I got as many as 30 trucks running over these roads with two men to each truck. All working for you? You said it. And all about your style, too, I reckon. My style? Well, Eustace, maybe. He's big time. But, ho, 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 wait till you see the rest of them. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't maybe you wait two or three days before getting down to business? Yeah, what's the idea of waiting? Well, there's past funeral. I don't know yet where I'm going to send the children. Yeah, what do you mean, send them? You wouldn't want children raised in any such house this one's going to be, would you? Why not? It's a lot better house than I was raised in. Oh, I get it. You're scared your kids will turn out like George and me, is that it? Well, you asked me. You ain't good enough for my children. You ain't near good enough. All the same, you ain't got to send them away. Who's going to prevent me? I am. You? Why, damn little innocence of yours is one of the biggest assets this joint's got. I need them, see? You need them. Now, don't worry. Nothing's going to happen to them. That wasn't in our bargain. There ain't nothing like two well-brought-up kids to keep suspicion away. Oh, I couldn't have that. Oh, you're going to have it, and those two kids of yours is going to have the happiest summer they ever had. Cruising on the river and going for hayrides? No. Yeah, and all the little friends, they want to ask with them. You know, the more kids I get on top of the hay, the more booze I can store underneath. I tell you, I won't have it. You'll turn my children into criminals. Them kids is mine. I bought them and they're mine. They ain't. They goes for the house. They belongs to me. If I'd have known you was planning to use my children, I'd never have agreed to nothing. I'm going to give you back your money. I ain't going to have nothing more to do with you. Do you think I'm going to let go of this joint and fix I'm in just on account of you being so stuck on those two brats? Don't you talk that way about my children. You keep your Yankee mouth shut. Oh, gee, I hope I didn't hurt you. Say, can't you take a little push in a friendly argument? You're going to stick by me like you promised. I ain't, I tell you. No? Well, just what do you think will happen if you start crawling on me now? You know what I'm going to do? I'm locating George wherever he's gone, and I'm turning him right away to the bulls. You can do anything you want with George. Now, hold on a minute. You just think back what George was saying yesterday about your old man and you going to the clink with him as accomplices. And I can do it, see? What do you mean? And then what happens to the kids? I happen to them. 
Oh, Kerry, be yourself. I got you backed off the boards any way you look. Excuse me, Kerry. I'll, I'll have to stand later after my trunk. Yeah, too bad we never got around to uh, dancing, Jenny. Well, that's life for you. Now, get wise to yourself, Carrie. I'm stepping in the spa to phone up Eustace. My mother said something. Oh, you was, uh, kinder to me than anybody ever was, Carrie. Won't you tell me goodbye? I reckon you can stay on, Jenny, if you've a mind to. Carrie, do you mean it? I've got to have somebody. I'll do my best to make it up to you for what I've done, honest. Jenny, wait a minute. I got an idea. What are you staring at me like that for? Jenny, if somebody was taking mean advantage of somebody you love terrible, wouldn't you do anything at all to get rid of them? Well, naturally I would. You know, I think the good Lord must have sent you in here just now to help me. What is it you want me to do? Don't ask no questions. Just run over to Henry Butterworth's office and get him and his men here fast as you can. Take him in the spa and let me know when they're here. Go on now, fly. All right, Mr. Babe. You ain't doing nothing to harm my children. Not as long as I'm alive and kicking, you ain't. <laughs> When I can see that phone out there, ain't going to be much use to me. But some long-winded dame's been blabbered away for the past 15 minutes. Babe, uh, I was thinking just now... Yeah, you must have been. You look spunkier. What was you thinking? I was thinking uh, how much better this place would be as a blind for your business if I could go ahead and build my new kitchen. You see, I was thinking how folks would notice your rough men hanging around here, so many of them, with things quiet in the spa like they are now... And how your men wouldn't be so noticeable if I was feeding all them bridge workers every day, too. Yeah, you already told it. What do you know? And, and I was thinking, seeing as how I could make this place a sight more valuable to you by enlarging my spa, maybe you'd be willing to help me do it. Yeah, I'm all for that, as long as you're willing to pay Paul. Maybe you'd be willing to give it to me right off now, so as I could show Nat Blidden I got it and get him on the job first thing in the morning. God, you certainly work fast. I ain't got any time to lose. Ain't you planning to get your boys here tonight? Yeah, that's right. How much you need? Well, you heard Nat say twelve hundred's the best he can do. Well, it's cheap enough here, uh, Carrie. Now enlarge that kitchen to your little heart's content. Well, I'm going to try that phone again. Maybe that dame's tired again. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Don't go yet. I got something here for you. Yeah. What are you writing? It's my IOU for three thousand two hundred dollars in twelve months. Payable at six percent. Oh, you don't have to pay me back. A macabre ain't built that way. Pa, they'd never forgive me if I didn't return every cent with interest. I just need time. They're here, Carrie. Oh, uh, well, give them plenty of hot coffee and donuts. All right. I thought you'd give Jenny the bumps rush. What's going on here? Things have been changing fast around here. That's why you got to take my IOU. Because our deal's off. Hey, what are you trying to get away with? We're finished. And now I'll thank you to leave. Only I wouldn't advise you going through the spa because you'll run smack into Henry Butterworth and them Federals. What do you think you're pulling? And don't try to start nothing, neither. One word for me and they'll... Why, you little... I needed to do it, but you didn't leave me no out. Now, look here, oh. sister. You don't think I mean it? Morning, boys. 
Howdy, Henry. Morning, Carrie. How are you? Uh, just stick close, and I'll let you know in a jiffy. Don't go away. What's the matter, Carrie? Uh, nothing yet. Just enjoy yourselves. I'll let you know if I happen to need you. Now, do you believe I mean business? Carrie, you ought to be in my rackets. You'd make a million bucks. Never mind, no compliments. You just kite out through the garden patch. Yes, say, I'll have to hand it to you. Uh, babe, mind, if anybody was to keep some of their liquor in that old barn and I didn't have to see nothing of them, it wouldn't hurt me none, I reckon. So long as they keep away from my kids. Yeah, thanks. Well, I didn't tell you to take care of yourself. Well, so long, Carrie. I always told you character was your long suit. Glad he's getting away. Blast away, Danya. You don't scare me now. I'll be starting my kitchen first thing in the morning, so blast away, Danya. Oh, excuse me, Pa. Curtain has fallen on the Theatre Guild production of Ned McCobb's Daughter, presented by U.S. Steel with Alfred Lunt as Babe, Shirley Booth as Carrie, and Anthony Ross as George. And here again is Lawrence Langner to tell you about next week's Theatre Guild play to be presented by United States Steel Corporation. Mr. Langner. Ladies and gentlemen, next Sunday night's play is The Royal Family by George S. Kaufman and Edna Ferber. But it's not about a family of kings and queens. It's a comedy about a family of actors and actresses called the Cavendishes, who are the royalty of the theater. The Cavendishes are temperamental and eccentric, lovable and extravagant. Playing the part of Tony Cavendish, the most lunatic of the clan, is Frederick March, who has just ended a successful engagement on Broadway in A Bell for Adano. We hope you'll enjoy listening in next week to our production of the famous comedy, The Royal Family with Frederick March in the part of Tony Cavendish. The other members of the family will be played by Margola Gilmore, Estelle Winwood, and Peggy Conklin. The United States Steel Corporation hopes that you'll be with us next week at the same time when we'll bring you Frederick March in the great comedy of theater life, The Royal Family, with Margola Gilmore... Estelle Winwood, Everett Sloan, and Peggy Conklin. If you'd like program notes and cast list of tonight's Theatre Guild on the air, prepared for each broadcast with information about the play and the players, simply address U.S. Steel Corporation, Radio Department, 71 Broadway, New York 6, New York. The staff for the Theatre Guild on the air includes Homer Fickett, director, George Condolph, producer, and Armina Marshall, executive director of the Radio Department. Music for tonight's play was composed and conducted by Harold Levy and the play adapted for radio by Kenyon Nicholson. This is the American Broadcasting Company. It's 8 o'clock at KECA Los Angeles. Thank you for joining us and enjoying our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Please remember to leave us a review and to follow us for frequent releases.